Hello and welcome to Solo Travel with Darren. This is episode number 76. And today I'm going to be talking about how travel makes you more empathetic. And particularly I'm going to be talking about how I feel about the war between Russia and Ukraine. I don't think I've talked about this since it started about a year and a half ago. So today I'm going to be talking about my thoughts on, on that war. In this podcast, I, I talk about solo travel for guys. Um, if guys want to travel the world by themselves, I'm here to show you how to do it. I mentioned last week that I do have a new course. It's called Solo Travel, Solo Mail Travel Blueprint. It basically walks you through step-by-step how to plan and take your first trip overseas by yourself. Um, I'll leave a link in the description and you you can check it out there. I went over all of it in last episode in number 75, um, kind of what's in it, but it could definitely help you um, take your first trip. Um, So anyway, so today, yeah, talking about empathy and why this war in Ukraine bothers me so much. So for like the last year and a half, as I watched this on TV and on social media and everything, I've noticed that there's like two camps of people. There's the the Ukrainians and most of the West who um, can't stand Russia or the Russian culture or the Russian people, not to mention the government. And then on the other side, there's the which is kind of weird there's a lot of westerners who support russia and are kind of like they understand why russia went into ukraine and all that which is kind of weird but i just think that it's it it those two polarized camps i find myself like i said 100 percent behind ukraine i support ukraine but at the same time, I don't have any problem with Russians. I don't have any problem with the Russian culture, the people. Um, I don't have any problem with them at all. But I definitely support Ukraine, and I want—I just want the Russians to go home, back to Russia and out of Ukraine. Um, and how I got here, or how I got to this position where I—I uh, I feel that way about both Russians and Ukrainians is back in 2018 I was in Ukraine I was in Kiev for about two weeks actually about a week and then I was in Russia in 2019 the next year and I was planning on going back to Russia in 2020 before COVID shut everything down but I wanted to go to um, uh, uh, the cities that I hadn't, a few cities I had not been to in Russia. I, well, I, when I was there the first time, I was in Moscow and St. Petersburg, but I wanted to go to um, Novosibirsk down in Siberia. I wanted to go to Krasnodar, to Sochi down on the Black Sea. I wanted to go to Kazan. Um, I wanted to go to Novi Novgorod, I think it is, outside of Moscow. So I wanted to go to a bunch of like five or six different cities and I was going to plan on going um, over to Russia in 2020. Um, and so, and part of that from like 2019 to 2020, I was learning Russian and I was learning the Russian language. And then when everything shut down for COVID, I really started to study Russian pretty seriously. But then, then after, once the 
the uh, so I didn't obviously go to Russia in 2020, but in 20, when 2021s came in and the world opened up again, I went back to Ukraine and I was in Ukraine for about five weeks in 2021. And so that's my connection to that region of the world, that part of the world. Um, I've spent you know two a total of probably two and a half months in both countries and. Both of those countries are my favorite countries. Both Russia and Ukraine are my favorite countries in the world. And that's, you know, that's why this war sucks so bad. And so in 2018, I was down in Kyiv, my first time ever in Eastern Europe. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what to do. And both my friends, Alexei and Vitaly, both showed me around uh, Ukraine, Kiev, Ukraine, that first time there. They were super cool. I stayed in contact with them for the last five years. We were friends on, we're friends on you know, Facebook, Instagram. And they were just super, super cool. They showed me everything about Ukraine and made me feel so welcome and so helpful. Uh, when I went back to Ukraine in 2021, I met up with Alexei and we, and I tried to meet up with uh, Vitaly. I don't think we ever met up, but we we're still in contact, whatever. And then in 2023, I met up with Alexei again when she came to America on the the Ukrainian some uh, Ukrainian visa because of the war. But anyway, so we've been friends ever since, and obviously. When the war starts, I, my first concern was about them and the other people that I met also when I was in when I was in uh, Kiev, Ukraine in twenty in two thousand eighteen. So then, after I get back in two thousand eighteen, I end up in two thousand nineteen. I went to Russia and I went to Saint Petersburg and Moscow. And I remember when I was in Moscow, and I was at the mall, the big mall, the big modern mall right there in the middle of Moscow. I think it's called Eurovskaya Mall, um, or maybe I'm combining two words, but I think Europska Mall, I think it's called. Um, it's at the Kievskaya metro stop right there. And I was in there, and everybody and all the shops and everything were like super cool to me. Um, they knew I was obviously a foreigner. They didn't, I guess they didn't really know I was American, but when I started talking to everybody, they were just so amazed that I was American and I was there visiting, and they were so welcoming. Um, I remember these guys in this one sports store, they were showing me these, these uh, USSR jerseys or CCCP jerseys from the old hockey teams or whatever, and I, I'm not sure, I can't remember if they offered to give me one or something, but they, uh, they wanted me to have one. And I didn't take it, but they were just like super cool, super cool guys. Um, everybody I met in that mall was like super nice. Everybody I met on the street when I was down at Red Square, when I was down, um, I forgot the big main, main street down there. It's, just, it's I forgot what it's called, but uh, all the girls I met, everybody was super cool in Russia. And ironically, the Russian girls that I met were nicer in Moscow than they were in the Las Vegas nightclubs that I've interacted with over the last 10 or 12 years. Um, so that was kind of crazy. And I think one of the reasons why I was so, why it made such an impression on me and why the people were so nice to me 
uh, or why I thought people were so nice to me is because I went in there so intimidated. I, I didn't know what to expect. This is like, you know, the Soviet Union, this or the old Soviet Union. This is Russia. You know, you go in there, you see the big hammer and sickle. Um, everything is so intimidating, and it's, it's a big, especially Moscow. Moscow is an intimidating city. And everybody I met there made me feel so comfortable, so welcoming, um, everything. And it's kind of like what I said before, they don't see a lot of Americans as tourists because, you know, getting a visa to Russia is super hard. You have to send your passport off to the embassy and all that. Um, but since they don't see a lot of Americans, you know, they're, I think they're nicer. And I think that kind of goes as a rule of thumb also. I think anywhere in the world where the places don't see a lot of tourists or they don't see a lot of American tourists, they're nicer to Americans versus the people who always see American tourists. Um, I think that they can, you know, they're not as nice to, to American tourists. So I think it's like nobody, in those places, they don't give you credit for getting on a plane and flying across the Atlantic Ocean for 10 hours. Um, you drop in the middle of Rome and they're kind of like, oh, another American tourist, whatever. But like when you're in Ukraine or Russia or Croatia or anything like that, they really, you know, they're fascinated that you're in their country and they want to show you the best parts about it and they want to show a good impression. We're all kind of ambassadors of, you know, goodwill around the world and that's kind of what comes out. And so, but with that said, so then after I left Ukraine, I mean, I left Russia in 2019, I ended up back in Ukraine in 2021. I wanted to kind of test out my Russian that I'd been learning when we were locked down the year before in 2020. And so I was in Ukraine for about six weeks all total. I was in Kharkiv by itself for about a month. Kharkiv is the second biggest city in Ukraine after Kyiv. And it's over in the east, about 20 miles away from the Russian border. And so when I was there, I met this super cool girl. Um, one day I was down at the park, and I can't remember what she was doing, but I, you know, I, I, I talked to her, I approached her, I talked to her, and we exchanged Instagram, and I invited her out for a coffee. And then we ended up spending, you know, about four or five days, you know, going out. To, um, going out back and forth and she was super super cool early 20s uh, probably 22 23 years old um, she was telling about her home her mom her family all in Kharkiv uh, telling about like you know where she wanted to go to school her dreams all that and it just she was so so cool was, you know and obviously we kept in touch um, and just just a super cool girl and I, and I talked about her and I talked about all the other girls I met in Harkey because I was there for a month. And so I, you know, I kind of went into like the, the culture, I guess. And I met, you know, I met probably a dozen, half, uh, eight or nine girls when I was there. And I talked a little bit about this in episode number 59 of this podcast when I talked about my education in Ukraine. And, and that was before the war, what I learned about the eastern part of Ukraine, um, the what's it called, the the Donbass area that has the two big cities of Donetsk and Luhansk, I think it's called over there. And this was before the war. And the how the eastern part of Ukraine, how the Ukrainians had to leave those cities in 2014 when the war started. And so I learned about all that when I was there in 2021. 
And again, you know, everybody was super, super cool. Um, the, the girls that I hung out with and told me those stories about that. And I talked about all that in that episode 59. But in addition to that, I remember when I was in Kharkiv and I was at the KFC, I think it was. And I remember I was trying to order food. And in those restaurants at the time, well, in those restaurants, they had just the big kiosk where you walk in and you go in front of the kiosk and you order your food. And I remember I was like, and it was all in Russian, and I knew enough Russian, or I thought I knew enough Russian to, you know, order my food. And so I was doing everything, but nothing, at the end, nothing worked. And like, I didn't get my number from the, the, the machine. Well, anyway, I saw some kid, some Ukrainian kid, get up from his seat from the other side of the restaurant, walk all the way over to where I was, and ask me if I needed help. And he, he, you know, he looked at the machine and I was, you know, telling them everything looked fine. Whatever. It, I mean, long story short, we found out the thing was out of paper. And so that was kind of funny. But he was like super cool. Didn't really speak a lot of English, but just didn't and totally did not have to help me. Did not have to walk all the way across it to help this foreigner. I clearly look like I'm foreign. I clearly look like I'm not from there. Um, and he went out of his way to help me. It just left such an impression on me. I've talked, I've told that story to everybody. And the same thing, kind of a similar situation when I was in the mall and I was trying to order a croissant from that Lviv croissant place. It's like the big chain of, uh, big chain in the, in the, it's kind of in the mall, kind of like Sbarro's or Panda Express or whatever in the mall, but it's a croissant place. And so I was sitting in line and the board was all in Russian and I tried to order something and the and it wasn't right I was trying to order like a bacon and ham croissant and it wasn't right and I couldn't figure out which one was the right one and the cashier didn't speak any English and my Russian wasn't good enough to explain what was what I wanted but anyway so this 15 year old girl who was behind me with all of her friends came up and asked me basically what I was trying to order and you know she told the girl the cashier in in russian what you know what i wanted and she spoke perfect english and so i went there so i ordered and i she helped me out and she, she again she didn't have to do that she didn't have to go out of her way to help me but she did and again it just made an impression like just these random ukrainian people going out of their way to help me and like i said i clearly look like i'm you know i'm a foreigner and so, you know, it's always helped me. And so, and I, t I said it before, you know, 99% of the, the fun of traveling is the people you meet. And that's why, you know, I had such a good impression of Ukraine. That's why these, you know, these are my favorite countries in the world. Um, this is before the war. And so when the war started, it just obviously was just terrible all the way around. And so, and I think I mentioned before, you know, part of the reason or the irony of all of this is that the reason why I have so many friends or have such a connection to Ukraine was because it all started because I wanted to learn Russian and because I liked Russian girls, I like Russian culture, all that stuff. Um, and so it's just kind of ironic that that made me spend so much time in Ukraine. And the reason why is because you could go to Ukraine without a visa if you're an American, whereas, like I said before, the visa process for Russia is super, super hard. But you can go to uh, Ukraine without a visa. 
and everybody in Russia in Ukraine spoke Russian for the most part, except for in the West and Lviv, but all throughout Russia that I've been to anyway, they all spoke Russian and they really did in 2021. Um, and so that's what I went there to kind of immerse myself in the Russian language. And, you know, ironically, it did work. I mean, I, I learned Russian, I mean, not fluent for sure, but uh, enough to, to survive anyway. And so that was, you know, the irony of the whole thing. And then, you know, you know with all that said, when I was learning Russian and I was online with different language uh, tutors and teachers, those a lot of those were Russian speakers, obviously, or Russian Russians who spoke Russian and taught foreigners how to you know speak it. And so once the war started a year and a half ago, these people were just as devastated as anybody because you know they're very you know international. They they know a lot of foreigners, obviously, and they had a lot of Ukrainian friends, not to mention. In fact, some of them you know teamed up with Ukrainians to teach you know foreigners Russian. And so once the war started, all that was broken up. And the Russians who were teaching English, um, some of them left. They left Russia. They went to Georgia or um, uh, Armenia, places like that. And none of them are supporting the war. And all of them are super, super upset. But it's like, you know, what can they do? You know, because if they protest and if they stand up against government, they're just going to go to jail. I mean, you've seen all the pictures of the people getting taken away from the, you know, holding up signs or protesting in in Moscow and Russia, whatever. And that's really true. I mean, and so they can't protest, but it doesn't mean that they support the war by any stretch of the imagination. And in addition to these people on, you know, who I followed online and I, who taught Russian, all my friends on Instagram and all my friends online, um, all my Russian friends from when I was there in 2019 and who I met over the years, none of them are supporting the war either. And so it's like, but you know, again, what can they do? And so you, you end up in this situation where it's just terrible. Obviously, it's not, uh, obviously, nothing compares to what the Ukrainians were going through for sure. Um, but both countries are suffering. To, to some extent, but the Ukrainians are definitely, you know, struggling more. I don't, I don't think I mentioned how my Ukrainian friends in Kharkiv, I was messaging them once the war started when they were, you know, hiding out in the metro station um, because of the bombs and, the, and, you know, bombing their houses and their apartments and all that stuff. It's just terrible. And so, you know, nothing compares to what they're going through, but the Russian people, you know, don't support, you know, the war either. And they're just as upset about the war as anybody else. And it reminded me kind of when I was in uh, Spain in 2007, I think it was, in Spain, I remember we were sitting around one of the plazas with a bunch of people and we're sitting next to these Spanish guys. And I think we are watching the, I think it was the World Cup, I think Italy was winning the World Cup in 2006, I think it was. And the Spanish guys were asking me I forgot how we got into it, but they were asking me, why do Americans bomb the Iraqis? And why are we in Iraq? And why are we in the Middle East? And why are we always starting war? And why are we always bombing everybody? And all of that. And I just remember, you know, I was telling them, I was like, well, you know, America's a big place. Um, and half the people don't support it. And half the people, you know, I guess do. 
Um, it's like, but you know, most pe- you know, half the country does not support you know George Bush, and I don't support George Bush. And I knew even I could say that, and I knew I could pro- come back you know to America, and I could protest, and we have you know free speech and all that. And I knew that you know I wouldn't go to jail for that for protesting about the war back in two thousand and six. Well, the Russians, they can't do that. The Russians can't protest up against about this war. They can't go out the streets in, in Moscow and protest, or they go to jail. And so I, I just think it's really, really ups- it's really sad all around. So, I mean, and that's kind of, you know, my thoughts on the, on the, uh, on the Russian-Ukraine war. I guess with all that, I mean, it's, I, well, I guess that's all I had to say. Um, Part of the reason why I bring this up, and part of the reason why this is so hard for me to record, and I, I've been starting and stopping this this recording for the last year and a half on talking about the war, but I think you know this is kind of you know my my feelings, and it, it, it's because of the empathy. It's because of you know traveling these places, you know spending time with these people in both Russia and Ukraine. I feel, you know, what it's like to be in their shoes, right? I sympathize with them for sure and empathize with them. And it's just terrible what they're going through. And you'll understand it too. I mean, when you travel, if you've never been overseas, when you go and you meet people and you come back and you're watching TV and something's happening on the news, you know, it, it, it affects you differently because you've been there. You can, you've seen the place. You've been on the ground. You know what it sounds like. You know what it smells like. You know what it looks like. And it just it strikes you and it makes you it makes you better, it makes you more alive, it makes you more in tune. And so that's one of the things that, you know, traveling and solo travel does for you. And so if you if you're interested in doing it for the first time, traveling somewhere by yourself, like I said, I have my, my course, it's called Solo Mill Travel Blueprint. I have a link down in the description and you can check it out if you want. So um, with all that said, I want to thank you for listening to this is episode number 76. I'll say goodbye. Goodbye in Russian. I'll say dosvidanya or paka. Um, and then I'll try to say goodbye in Ukrainian. Do popachna. I think that's it. Um, anyways, thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next Thursday. Bye-bye.